0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed 12th Sunday after Pentecost to all of you. And what a fantastic Sunday to finally be back in here with all of you in our Lord's house. God be thanked and praised. A clear picture this virus has given us, many good things have been worked through this evil for us to ponder, and two come to mind by way of preface this morning. The first is the reminder of our mortality, of the shortness of this life, of its fragility. God is teaching each one of us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, as the scriptures say to realize that for each and every one of us, in the blink of an eye, we will be standing before the judgment seat of God. And so, therefore, also, in the second place, this virus has revealed to us what is absolutely essential. No thanks to our governor and those who rule along with him who have declared Christ and his church to be non-essential. We have come to see all the more that the word and sacraments of God are of the utmost importance. There is nothing more essential. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it is not only of the utmost importance, but absolutely essential for our faith that we come to our Father's house, to our Father's table, and sit before him and there receive the bread of immortality in these bodies that he will raise on the last day and receive from his cup the very wine of heaven's joy, the forgiveness of all our sins. It is a great Sunday. Last service, we had the baptism of little Madison Bearford. And lest we lose sight of just what this is, this is a cosmic act of war. We saw the Heavenly Father reach into Satan's kingdom, reach into the darkness, grasp hold of Madison, tear her out of the devil's hands, and shelter her safely in his almighty hands and bring her into the kingdom of light to dwell with us now and forever. God claims us as His own in the waters of baptism and truly rescues us from the darkness we see all around us and brings us to light. Not only do we have these blessings, last but not least, what a glorious gospel text. The confession of St. Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. To which Jesus responds, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven that whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Such great promises. And perhaps most central for us to focus our attention on today, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ. So I've titled this sermon, Taking the Fight to Satan taking the fight to Satan. The scriptures call Satan the God of this world. And what could be more true? How the entire world in our lifetimes has become ever more enshrouded in obvious and manifest darkness. But perhaps most telling of all is that the world around us and its morality, its sense of What's just, its sense of what's right, is in fact the height of evil and perversion. We see this, for example, in the pro-abortion movement, in the LGBT movement, in the movement of cancel culture, where in pure sinfulness, people's good names, their reputations, their livelihoods, their entire lives are trashed at the whim of a mob and usually a hypocritical mob at that. These things are all touted as morality, as justice and righteousness, but in fact, they are pure sin contrary to Christ and his church, which brings to mind those words of our Lord Jesus, if even your light is darkness, how great is the darkness. Now, the first thing we must do in order to take the fight to Satan is to realize that these very same powers of sin and darkness find their home inside of us as well. As St. Paul himself says, I find nothing good within me, that is, within my flesh. And so the very first step of taking the fight to Satan is to do what we did earlier this morning, confess our sins and our darkness to God that he might cleanse and absolve us with the blood of Jesus Christ and with the glorious light of his absolution. And we bring this confession and absolution daily into our lives with God, ever at war with Satan in our hearts, casting him out daily. you can see the problem with our human nature, our fallen flesh. When our Lord asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And not one of those men get it right. They say John the Baptist, which is actually a strange idea. It comes from Herod, who after killing John the Baptist, was so paranoid that John the Baptist would come reincarnate for revenge, he thought Jesus might be John the Baptist. Elijah is what some people thought Jesus was, which is an actual slap in the face. Not the Messiah, just the forerunner of the Messiah, just the Elijah who is to precede. That's who we think Jesus is. Others thought Jeremiah because Jeremiah had rightly prophesied that the temple would be destroyed, and indeed it was in 586 B.C., and Jesus was proclaiming that the temple would, likely, would uh, just the same be destroyed, and he was right in 70 AD it was and so people thought he was Jeremiah or one of the other prophets which is also a slap in the face a prophet not the son of the living god when jesus turns to peter and says but who or turns to the disciples and says who do you say that i am peter confesses rightly you are the christ the son of the living god jesus then strictly warns his disciples at the end of this discourse not to tell anyone that he is the Christ. Why? Well, we'll actually find out next week. (laughs) When Peter says you are the Christ, what Peter has in mind by a Christ isn't exactly accurate as it turns out. What Jesus means by the Christ is precisely this. The Son of Man is the Son of God and He has come as the Savior of sinners. And in order to save sinners, there is only one thing that He must do and that is to go to the cross. Only there on the cross can He put away not only your sin and my sin, not only the sins of the church, but the sins of the entire world. Only there on the cross, by He who knew no sin, becoming our sin for us, can He end the power of sin. And the same is true by death. Only by dying can He trample death by death and give us victory over it when we rise with Him. So too with Satan, the great accuser. Only can the accuser, and his right and correct accusations of all the sins that we have committed, only can that accuser be silenced by this, Christ Jesus shielding us with his own perfect righteousness. That's what it means for him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now what we see very quickly is that Jesus gives three promises to Peter and to the disciples. His first promise, on this rock, I will build my church. And it is likely the case that we spend far too much time arguing about who or what this rock is and so miss the main point of what Jesus is saying. I will build my church. Nothing is going to stop that. I will build my church. Now, we Lutherans don't deny that this text connects with Peter. He is the foremost amongst the apostles. We don't deny that this text teaches us about the office of holy ministry and the power to forgive and retain sins. We don't deny any of that. But as we Lutherans do, we read the scriptures and we follow the church fathers when they read the scriptures. And so on this text, we find ourselves in agreement with the likes of Origen and Ambrose and Chrysostom and Cyprian and Hilary and Bede and others. I can summarize our position with the words of Chrysostom. He puts it this way. Christ says, on this rock, I will build my church. He does not say, on Peter, I will build my church. For he has truly built his church, not upon a man, but upon Peter's faith. And what faith? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thus far Chrysostom, and thus far Lutherans on this text. The point is that he is building his church, one Christian at a time. One living stone upon another. We saw one living stone added to the temple and church of God this very morning. He is adding to his church daily, just as he said he would, by baptism and by teaching. By the proclamation of the gospel, that he has come to save all who cannot stand before God on judgment day. He has come to save all who cannot save themselves. He has come only for sinners. The second promise he gives the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Now, gates aren't things that attack. You don't see any gates walking up and attacking, gates are things that are attacked. The gates of hell are defensive. Picture this. Picture the whole world owned by the God of this world, owned by Satan, and the light of lights. Christ Jesus our Lord descends and is incarnate, and by his word he creates faith in Christian hearts. He creates light, and that light scatters throughout all the darkness, and the gates of darkness and the gates of hell cannot withstand this light, this church. You've probably heard this stupid phrase. Be on the right side of history. And what does that mean for us? We're constantly warned that we Christians are going to be on the wrong side of history. As if we care in the least what the foolish generations, the next two or three foolish generations, end up thinking about us. That isn't being on the right side of history. Being on the right side of history is being on the right side of God. The day will come when he will erase all history except those who followed him faithfully in his word and command. So we will most certainly be on the right side of history, God's history. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Last and not least, he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 16, he gives them to Peter. In Matthew 18, he gives them to the other disciples. And in John 20, after his resurrection, he gives them to the church. What are these keys? These keys are the loosing and binding of our sins, the opening and closing of heaven's doors. In the background are Jesus' words to the Pharisees. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven before men. You neither enter yourselves, nor do you allow those who would enter to enter. To his apostles, he gives the keys to shut out only those who are shutting out others. To shut out those who are self-righteous. To shut out the impenitent. But to open the doors to all who do repent to open the doors of heaven to all who desire to be forgiven, and to all who knock, the gates of righteousness and the doors of forgiveness are opened. So, in this way, Jesus equips his church to take the fight to Satan precisely through the forgiving of all who repent and the binding of all who do not repent. Now, one final point in regard to taking the fight to Satan, and that comes from our epistle lesson. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, whereby He takes away our sins and the sins of the whole world, is not only for our forgiveness, it is also the pattern of our lives, our very identities. Paul puts it this way, present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God present your bodies as living sacrifices our bodies our flesh what do they want to do they want to sin and they want to serve ourselves we sacrifice our bodies and instead we serve others and instead of sinning we proclaim righteousness and the forgiveness of sins As Paul puts it in his epistle, having gifts that differ according to the grace of God, let us use these gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, even through these very small and despised things. In fact, precisely through these things, we take the fight to Satan. What a blessed day, dear Christians. What a blessed God. What a blessed Savior, who so loves us that He bears our sins in His own flesh upon the tree. Who so loves us that he blots out every one of our iniquities and cleanses us from all our sins. Who so loves us that through baptism he makes us sons and daughters of his now and forever. Let's not pity ourselves. Let's not sit in doom and gloom. In Jesus, with Jesus, and through Jesus, the gates of hell cannot prevail. Let's take the fight to Satan.